Hey guys, this is the Fan of Fan Podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Joe Skelton. And I'm Topless. And for all you groundhoppers out there, this podcast is for you. Well, the lads, that weren't so hard, was it? Um, <laughs> finally, all three co-hosts are here. It's fantastic to finally be here. And we've got a cracking episode to start that one tonight. We're joined by the gaffer and the chairman of Sheffield City Football Club. Dan, Ash, how are we doing, lads? We're fantastic. Yeah, that, that, thank you for coming on at short notice. Great to have you. Yeah, no problem. So what we'll first start off with then is how did Sheffield City come about? How long has it been going? And what sort of ambitions have we got for the club? Well, if you want me to be honest, I was blind though when I come up with a plan um, on back of Estella map. Showed it our last and I just said, look, what do you think to this? And she looked at me and she went, it won't work. Me being me, being stubborn, like I am. I thought, so, Joe. So, next thing, we started off with two junior under eights. Went well back to front in COVID times. And then here we are now. We have about 15 teams under the name. 15 teams. <laughs> Not bad going. So, is that all the way from under sevens all the way up to open age? It, there's under uh, now. There's under sevens, two under eights, and under nines, three under tens, and under elevens, and under twelves. A men's team, women's team, um, a development side, the reserves, and there's going to be some girls' teams chucked in on top of that and all. I on your plate, then that's for certain. <laughs> well, so yeah. <laughs> you did well to name them all as well on top of your head. <laughs> There could be more, pal, to be fair. I probably forgot half of them. So it's, it is what it is on that one, isn't it? But... So what about you, Daniel, then? How did you get involved with Sheffield City? Um, it was a bit of a bizarre story, to be honest with you. Um, I had quite a bit of time off uh, work through COVID, really, for some operations I'd had. And uh, I went to work at a COVID centre just while I was waiting between operations and, and Ash actually come in and I was assistant at Fretchville uh, obviously the season when it first got caught with COVID and um, we'd literally just you know the chairman had sort of folded the club had pulled his money out and folded it because we, we didn't want to continue um, and, and Ash actually come in for a COVID test where I was uh, the manager of a COVID centre and uh, one of my friends were actually had uh, been talking about the club, saying they were going to be going to trials with them. And uh, obviously, me being me, being nosy, obviously I asked Ash when he come in because I'd seen badge that he'd got on, uh, and he, he were a bit he were a bit quiet at first, didn't really want to say anything. And then I'd actually got my Fretchville hat on, and and obviously he asked me about them. And then it sort of just he opened up a little bit, and and then you know halfway through that day, my uh, my friend messaged me and said. Uh, Ash wants to speak to you. You know, he's been asking a lot about you, and and then obviously me and Ash sat and had a phone call, and here we are, a year on. <laughs> well, it certainly is a strange way of becoming manager of a team, but it's it's one one you'll always remember, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely, the best, the best things in life are always spontaneous. Let me just say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to take some time out as well. That's one of the reasons why I didn't go back to Fretchville. And oh, I'm just going to take a bit of time out because I knew the the 
operation that I were having, I'd already had like three and they were quite big. So I knew the extent of the operation that I was going to have were quite big. So I'm like, no, I'm going to take some time out, have my operation because I knew it was going to be like an eight month recovery. So I was like, no. And then, and obviously Ash being Ash, the, uh, he could sell snow to, to whoever. And, you know, he, he managed to persuade me to come in and, and take job. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> so was that the right decision, Ash? You don't regret it at all? <laughs> no, no, to be fair. Um, I mean, a year ago today, we were actually playing Prestatton in Wales. Um, it came up on the Facebook earlier on. And it's like what we both said to each other in the past few months and weeks and stuff. In this short space of time, what's being achieved, especially being a brand new setup at an adult level, is unknown. And what we've sort of just, we've upset a lot of people. We'll both admit that as in other clubs, but we're here for the right reasons and not wrong reasons. So, so going. So being based in Sheffield as well, obviously we have Sheffield FC, Hallam FC, there's quite a few other non-league teams as well as football teams. What are you wanting from Sheffield FC? Are you wanting, um, sorry, Sheffield City, are you wanting to be like the sort of, the starter clubs, what then move on to these non-league sides? Are you wanting to get to that level yourself and compete with the non-league sides? Well, we want to do what AFC Wimbledon did, if I'm honest with you. That would be an idea in setting club up. Obviously, circumstances and everything else were different. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah, you need to sort of tighten your club up, as in like getting money behind you, getting fan interest, commercial interest and everything else. But with the right attitude and the right personnel behind you, all can happen. Yeah, it's going to be difficult in obtaining fans from Wednesday, United, and including yourself, Sheffield FC. But... It's down to people, in it? They'll do what they want at the end of the day, but we've just got to sort of stand out in the crowd and obviously just sort of push on from there. We certainly had a great season last season, you know, in Division 2. You finished second. You've gone up to Division 1 this season. You've missed down the league title to, to Silkston as well. You know, when you look at that, to have a great sort of first season out of, you know, COVID where, the, where, where the club has been over, you know, it, it was your birthday a couple of, you know, the other day, wasn't it? To, to come out from that, and to have a, well, yesterday it was, to come out from that and have a great, <laughs> <laughs> to have a great, <laughs> come on, George, let's get with it, man. Hang on, professional, <laughs> professional, yes. Um, to have a great first season like that, it's surely for the positives as well going forward, going into this season, you, you, the club's going to be bouncing, isn't it? Well, yeah, from our point of view, it is. Um, obviously, we are getting a bit of a bigger, better, more presence on social media platform. Like today, 33, well, 32-year-olds just start to work TikTok. How's that work? You know what I mean? It's getting things like that up and running. I mean, stopping up until one o'clock this morning, faffing about putting men's team on, putting women's team on. And it's like Simone pointed out earlier on today, one of the videos, I think it were over 550 views in the space of three and a half hour. So everybody started to know who we are going forward, but a lot more work needs to be done going forward. Yeah, well, it takes us someone to score an overhead kick in a game, and there's an extra 100 on the gate, mate. <laughs> so it's to go viral on TikTok's all it takes. Well, <laughs> that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that real red kick scored last season as well. Did you get any recorded? 
No. <laughs> um, oh, I'm not sure. Right. I think one of them. I think one of them first game at season were, but um, the one towards back end of season, uh, which to be fair, it's my best friend um, Jay, and um, I mean his last club were Alfred in National League. His brothers are both professional. One's at Coventry, one's at Wrexham. Um, and he's, he's not played for years and he turned up and just scored four goals in a game and one at goals on edge at box. It, somebody just put this ball in and he's headed ball up into air and he's literally just overhead kicking from edge at box. He had not even left his foot and it were in top corner. It was just everybody, everybody was just running around, didn't know what to do because it was like something that you don't see that often, especially at these levels. So, yeah, it was quite fun. <laughs> Well, when Joe comes and visits you sometime in the season, you know what your team talk's going to be now. Get those great goals in. <laughs> I'll make sure yeah. not to miss any goals like I did the other night, but there we go. For you, Simo, where, where does your footballing journey begin? So who was your kind of boyhood club that you supported growing up? Um, well, unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, I, I managed to get back in the Premier League uh, era with Wednesday. Um, so my, my boyhood club were Wednesday which we've not had great times obviously in the last 20 odd years but um, you know we've been I might, like I said I managed to get the, the back end but yeah that were that were kind of my the, my start with going and watching Wednesday and, and growing up playing so yeah <laughs> it weren't so good but hey ho somebody's got to support them <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got to support them no comment. <laughs> You're doing right now, working with Sheffield City and watching that. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to be fair, I've not, I've not really been. Um, so I used to play a lot of, on Saturdays myself and stuff. So I didn't really, you know, it's you don't really get to many games, but obviously, it's always good. I always get, I always seem to get to an away game, which is obviously. You know, we're we're up there with probably some of the best fans in in country going away, and it's always a better experience. So, and I think it's probably said for both Sheffield teams. To be honest, we're probably both our fans away are better than we are at home. <laughs> I do agree with that one. <clears throat> yeah. So, you said you was a player. Um, how did you find um, being a player transitioning to the manager? Um, well, as I said, I think oh, you were at toilet uh, when I was 24. I obviously cursed the old English player with second ACL tear and, and that was me done. So I spent probably like two years out of game. I didn't want to see a football. I didn't watch any professional football or anything. Um, and then it was only when one of my best friends asked me to come and help him coach that I actually started coaching again. So um, it, it was it pretty decent transition to be honest you know sort of I feel like I've probably got an half decent football brain and the, the experiences that I'd had playing I just sort of try and pass down really and, and help out lads with as much knowledge as possible would, would you say you've got that passion back now for football oh absolutely yeah absolutely it's I wouldn't I wouldn't change it I, I actually met one of my friends earlier who I used to play football with and He's on about joining coaching team, and we took our coaching badges together in 2014. and And I said to him, "I wouldn't change it. I absolutely love, absolutely love it. It's it's brilliant, especially going um, as obviously saying to Joe last uh, the other week at training. 
the the players that we've brought in, you know, a lot of them played in like Chesterfield fourth division for a team that I were uh, helping coach and you see them not even getting any hardly any game time at that division. And then they come to me and, you know, they're playing week in, week out and one of them actually won chairman's player at year. So it just, it gives you a kind of a, a good sense of feeling about, you know, what, what you're achieving and, and helping people achieve because that's the main aim, as I've said to them all along, is I played at a good level and I want them to play at a good level. So anything I can do to help them out is, you know, is only beneficial. So for you, Ash, what make you know you run you run the football club of course, Simo you know runs the first team, the manager as well. What makes the relate you know, the, the relationship between you two work well within the football club? Honestly, more than now. Um yeah, I'll admit to you all now. I've said this to Simo going into it, it was that line leading blind at first for me. I didn't have a clue what I would have Um obviously picked Simo's brains, vice versa, and here we are now. We've just sort of made it work between us, really. Do you do you think in the next couple of years you want to be contested for promotion again, or do you think you could do that this season with just missing out? Well, well, it, it's like what we've I said to Joe over there when he come down to meet us. Um, what we've got, obviously, what we did in league last year, it was like a, another Leicester City, if you get what I mean. So obviously, people were predicting us to do all in league. Obviously team sort of had that togetherness and that bond and brothership let's call it and then against all those it just did unthinkable really and just proved a point in the league and in local area and got promoted so anything can happen at this club never say never What would you say what are your favourite moments of last season were? Any moments that stand out? I'll let you answer that first you know um, I don't know. There were quite a few, um, and I, I actually said it on a on a uh, podcast. You know, a lot of time I'm sort of a perfectionist, and if it's not perfect, then it's it's not. You know, we could win two one or three one, but it's it's too close, and and I don't like it. But I think the the sense of satisfaction for me is just just seeing the lads play. How I sort of me and Ryan have taught them to play, you know, what we envisioned and playing, you know, like a possession-based football and just knocking ball about. And, and um, I mean, the teams that are around us, we should have we should have won that league comfortably. Um, but we missed so many chances. I was saying to you, weren't I, Joe, that we, um, our goal difference, we, we scored 60 goals and, and conceded 30. I think we finished leading scorers in league, but we scored 60 and we, we should have scored 130 to 140 goals quite comfortably. Um, I mean, we lost to Swinton at home 2-1 and in first half we had 22 clear-cut chances and then we had even more in second half and we just couldn't score. Um, what can I say? We've, we've literally taken every team off at pitch this season and just not, we just, we just couldn't score half at time. And and that's been his biggest problem. Um, strikers were sick of me moaning at them, but you know it's it's one of them things. But you know it, we managed to get second place. Silkston, we battered them at their place, lost narrowly, missed chances, 
and then we absolutely battered them five three at our place, you know. And their manager come up and said, "Your, you know, your best team we've played all season, and you know, you've took us off pitch at our place and and lost, and then you've took us off at pitch here at your place, you know, and you've sort of just got your just desserts there and and gone on and won it." So it's you know they but obviously congratulations to them you know they were a steady side all season and they did what they needed to do so it's um, fair play that's, that's football isn't it yeah I do feel for you because obviously I've, I've I've coached teams like that before just can't score it does your brains in doesn't it <laughs> hey that yeah. netty thing put it in there not over there in the trees <laughs> in there it's so frustrating yeah. sometimes absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know you what to do in training, dear, because you can't coach composure. That's it. That's it, literally. Do you think the standard of football as well in non-league, certainly over, you say, the last two years or so, has got better and better? And I think the standard of player as well, coming up, growing up as well, playing the game, do you think it's got so much better as well? Um, in my honest opinion, no, it's got worse. It's genuinely got worse. I've had this conversation with quite a few people um, and this is it's just me being harsh but obviously when when I was playing uh, back like 10 years ago there's, there's players now that shouldn't be anywhere near that kind of level of football but they are and that's just just the, the way it is now you know with many players wanting to play on Saturdays there's teams dropping out left right and centre um, you know like Fretchville with Fretchville went bust and they'd been going for nearly 100 years or so um, and they just, they just couldn't get the players and stuff like that so it's it's one of them but things are getting better so styles of play are getting better um, it's just it's just always going to be hard at the, the lowest league and non-league what we're playing because you're just basically getting the ones that aren't good enough to play like NCEL stuff like that but obviously it's, that's how football works and it doesn't help that Sunday teams now are actually starting to pay stupid money to players and they'd rather play Sundays than they would Saturdays because they're not getting paid on Saturdays and if they are they might be getting 20, 30 quid whereas on Sundays you know they can be getting out from 100 up to 500 quid so it's kind of stupid money on Sundays but people are going to go and earn money on Sunday morning aren't they? Yeah, Ash, do you think that's something that is a quick fix or do you think that's something that is probably maybe going to get worse over time? It'll probably get worse over time, to be fair. Um, obviously, from our point of view, tying everything up wheels, our education programme will bring a lot of revenue coming in uh, from next year onwards. So this is sort of our blueprint. I'm not going to say too much because obviously other people will be watching it, but... This is what's going to sort of eventually be sort of making the coin for us coming through those, really. So I'm not getting too much away, so don't ask me out on that. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't expect anything less. I've got it. five more questions on that. Sorry. No <laughs> <laughs> <Put> comment. <laughs> so just for the people what are watching and sort of intrigued of, um, well, ground offers in general. Whereabouts uh, is your home pitch? St George's Park Graves. Del Norton College. I played yeah. on that. I played on that playing field a few times. 
Yeah, may as well. <laughs> it's, it's definitely changed now. <laughs> so sure Graves, has. Graves is in Meadowhead way. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the ground uppers who are watching this, that's where ne- next to where Sheffield FC's new ground is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Give them direct. Better get it built yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, Meadowhead mean. roundabout, turn left. <laughs> it's on your hands. <laughs> Just behind the shopping centre. <laughs> right, that'll do, Ben. You killed it. Uh, <laughs> well, you need to know they might go down Dice Lane and, and just follow it to the um, well where Sheffield FC are now <laughs> so is is that going to be your home ground for a few seasons or are you wanting to progress and own your own pitch at some point we, we want to progress um, you know we do want our own facility we want our own pitch and everything else but it's just so difficult at the minute especially in Sheffield finding that right plot of land um, we thought we had a breakthrough a couple of months ago, um, gone through all right channels, council, everything else. I found the actual owner of the land itself and they were refusing to part ways with it. And this is what we've been up against, sort of trying to look for a right piece of land where we can just sort of build and then just sort of go from there, really. But it, it's just so difficult at the minute. Sounds like a Stephen Bettis um, interview about Sheffield United and their new training facility, this. <laughs> now I'm better. Yeah. <laughs> it is tough, though. It's a, it is a big struggle now in football because, obviously, that's the one thing I spoke to uh, one of the lads at F8 the other day, and that's, that's another reason why teams are going to struggle um, and players are going to struggle and stuff like that because there's so high costs, uh, ground... Um, to to play at a ground. I mean, we we actually got a stadium, didn't we, Ash? Yeah. Uh, about a month ago, and we were going to be playing there. You know, it got a uh, a decent stand, brilliant, unbelievable facilities, and they wanted seven grand a year to play there, and that were just games. So when you're looking at things like that, it it just makes it really hard, and the Council aren't willing to help. You know, they did something a few years ago about sport and everything, getting sport back, and they just don't. They don't want to help. Um, whenever you do apply for anywhere, all they say is, "Oh, it's green belt, so you can't build on it." And they just they just throw any excuse into. I think not to have to to help, but then it doesn't help because the the decent facilities then start throwing stupid prices and. There's no they can do, no anybody can do because costings are there's nowhere else to play, so it's either pay it or don't play, I'm afraid. It's such a shame because when you when you come back to it, Sheffield, the home of football, you'd think they'd do, especially the council, you think they'd do anything they can to promote football and, and make Sheffield visited more for it. Because I feel that. That's something where, even though we're sort of the home of football, I don't feel like Sheffield's recognised enough when it comes to football. But it's like not. That. I mean, in my eyes, it's like National Football Museum. No disrespect to Manchester, but it should be in Sheffield, really. It should be Sheffield Town Centre. Like you've just said, Sheffield were birthplace football. Realistically, they need to be doing more for it. I mean, it was like a couple of years ago when I took Boris and government on and getting fans back into the ground. It's like I said to MP, in 2012, your quote was to inspire a generation to take part in sport. And obviously, at the time that COVID rules were in play, what were it going to be? 
inspiring generation to have health issues and health problems. And at the end of the day, from my point of view, really, government are going to be looking at bigger picture with this. I don't know, let's say £100 million, right, let's get all these facilities built up and that. You know, it's for this club, we want to be providing a legacy because at the end of the day, we're not going to be around forever, but club will be. So, you know, plans and action needs to be took now, in my eyes, anyway. Yeah, you need to leave that legacy. It, it's it's quite a shame as well because not far down the road from you, um, I think it's on the Jordan Fort Parkway, there was there was a, um, a pub there what used to have the land with all the pitches on. And you just see That's that. That's what I was about. Yeah. Yeah, just, I didn't want to turn it on. <laughs> yeah. It's so overgrown and stuff. And it's yeah. it's just, I've, I mean, I've played football in there plenty of times and you're like, it's just rotting now. And places like that should be be available to be built up and back into football. Give, give, give it the, the release of life what it needs again. Mm-hmm. That that was the that was one of the things we said were that we couldn't build on it because it was green belt. Even though he'd put like plans in and you know he'd got to sort of build a stand on it, other football and multi use, multi sports use as well, and yeah. they just they didn't want to know. Just bounced the idea back. There's so many stories about sport hating councils, though, mate. Honestly, it's a terrible shame. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you've all heard the story of Glatwell Football Club. I know some of us will have, but that was another council haters yeah. that ruined them back in the day. They'll probably never get back to the heights they were. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know why they do it. I don't know. Because you've got a oh, big opportunity here. Brand new club. Don't know, you don't know how high it could rise. You never know. Might take a few years for us to know. They, they don't want to know that bottom line or it all didn't. Nobody were interested in this is what the issue is. You're going to have that fight, obviously trying to get kids off the street, providing yeah. them like a safe space, let's call it, from your own facility. Yeah, you know, we're all blokes. We've all been around the game in some sort of capacity. Yeah, yeah. it needs money. Yeah, it needs that permission off it, whoever that it'll be. But if we're going to make a change within the area as well as the wider area as well, People are going to start listening to us. I mean, it's all right, local MPs jump around bandwagon. Yes, I will help. I will give you that support. They don't. They're just like dinosaurs. And if I'm honest with you, get them out of power and get young, fresh blood on panel and then just let them get involved and just sort of help us push and progress, not just for this club, but for all clubs in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been ruined so much. And I think, it for me, it's from top to bottom. I think it's not just the government, but it is the FA at the same time where... They're not providing so much support to to the clubs down at the bottom when they need it the most. They could cooperate with the government and cooperate with some of these football clubs and try and work out a solution, but they don't. And for me, it really hurts, like you say, when you have football clubs going under who've had yeah. hundreds of years of history and you know they are the roots of, of English football. You know, they wouldn't be a Man United, it wouldn't be a Liverpool yeah. or a Man City without the clubs down at the bottom that are providing these young kids an opportunity to play football. And if you take that away, then you won't have an English football to come back to. Yeah, but look at course what they've made the government what are currently in power. I mean, obviously looking at research and everything else, Conservatives aren't for sport. They never have been and they never will be. Yeah, all right, Labour with previous raging and it might have gone wrong, fair enough. But when you think about it here, what government actually got Olympic Games for outdoor 
it will labour. Yeah, Conservative jump around bandwagon. And you mean to tell me all that money, what we raised, obviously through competitions itself, TV rights, sponsorships or whatever, where did it all go? Because if I'm honest, we're all, I don't see it being spent on any sporting facility at all, to be honest. I mean, look, at Don Valley Stadium, it got knocked down when we were at 2013-14. And all of a sudden, yeah. nearly 10 years on from Olympic Games, they've just sort of got things in order. You know what I mean? Each younger generation, especially in football, what are going to suffer if something ain't done now? Absolutely. I mean, but... Even, yeah. even going to football now and you see how much money there is at the top level, it's just a shame it doesn't get tunnelled all the way down the, the lower leagues as much as it probably should do. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed where to. it's wrong. Yeah. Man City could dodge financial fair play and just fund the whole thing. Well, like, European Super League, weren't it? Yeah, if they wanted to go, get them gone. Let them go. They're not part of the English pyramid. And at the end of the day, you look at any of sort of watching game. Oh, I'm a Man City fan. Oh, this is my favourite player. I mean, to be honest with you, it's disgusting. I mean, I've seen kids at football school turning up in PSG top. And if I'm honest with you, it shouldn't be happening. It should be having English teams on and having an English player on back at name, to be honest. And what type of hope is that setting for kids what you know we want to see progress through chain of command and basically that's at top it don't fill me with confidence if I'm honest it's all that kind of philosophy now of kids that yeah. are coming through that are trying to be like these Premier League footballers and let's be fair in some ways there's nothing wrong with that in, in some ways but I do think you're coming into kind of some of them are coming prima donnas in the way that they play and the way that they act, because they look at they look on social media and they'll see like Jack Grealish is partying in Las Vegas till four o'clock in the morning, yeah. and they want to be like that. It, there's no there's no real role models anymore. Growing up, when, yeah, when I was growing up, you had Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, yeah. you had you had people like that you could look up to. Yeah. Now there isn't really anyone you can go. I want to be like him, and it's it's such a shame that we don't have that anymore. And then just to touch on that, they, they were leaders of men. Those players you mentioned as well. Yeah, I don't see yeah, many leaders yeah. of men in today's game. No, there's not many Roy Keynes in today's game. You know I mean? Yeah, I think I think the biggest part of that is um, as Roy Keane keeps saying, um, there's far too much going off outside of football. You know, with their own clothing brands, super yeah. stuff like that. And and I've said it for quite a while with with Pogba. Look at Rashford and Lingard. How good they were for Man U. Pogba comes in, they start hanging about with him, then all of a sudden their careers go down pan. And it's just being influenced by bad people that are good footballers. And and that's just the way it is now, you know. Your Lampards and your Gerrards, they wouldn't have dreamt to doing out outside of football. They devoted their career to football and, and, it, and it showed because of how good they were. And then you look at like it's a messer. Messi, Messi he's never in limelight. He's just gets on with his career, and you know he's probably the best footballer that we'll have ever seen in world football. I know there's a bit of a, a debate between him and Ronaldo, but for me, just the way he goes about his football, you know, it's not all about him like it is Ronaldo. It's, it's he's a team player, and and he, he tries to, as he did with Barcelona, just get on with it and play football and win trophies. What it's all about. So for you guys, and I'll put this question to all of you. So when Messi and Ronaldo do go which they will retire, who is that next guy to go, I'm going to be 
that I'm going to be the poster child. I'm going to be the one that's going to be winning the Ballon d'Ors every year. The Sheffield City player. Nice, short, nice answer. <laughs> Brilliant answer. Um, I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to say Foden, but I think he he's a bit easily influenced by certain things because Foden's just an unbelievable footballer. Um, but Mbappe, I don't think it'll be Mbappe. I think he's he's good, but I don't think he's as good as what everybody makes out. And he's he's playing in obviously French league, which. I think Chef City would probably do all right in French League, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not too sure on on that one, but I'd like to think think somebody like Foden um, or like likes a Bellingham, you know, somebody a young English talent that if they just get on with the football, they can probably up there. Probably Haaland, see how he gets on. Then Rice is a good one as well because. Oh, well. It's a shame. It's a shame he signed his contract for as, lo- as long as he did. But I feel like he could be a good one. Yeah. Any, any Englishman. Any any Englishman. Or Darwin Nunes. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Be? <laughs> <laughs> See what you're doing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of one of them. Like I, I do agree with Harland. If if he does well at Man U. He's going to be a world beater for the rest of his life. I mean, he's, the, service is the service is going to be incredible. What he'll he'll get? Yeah, unbelievable. That Man City will anyway. Don't know about Man United. But... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, just him. Being that you know you played you played football as well, you you coach, you get moved into coaching. What's what's been like? I've you know non-league and 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 well, and maybe some of the football league or Premier League that you visited. What's been like the best ground that you visited? Um, best ground. That actually no, that's quite a tough question. Um, obviously Stamford Bridge. I went to Stamford Bridge to watch. Wednesday against Chelsea. Um, that's obviously a decent ground. To be fair, I went when Wednesday beat Milton Keynes the other month, and that's that's an unbelievable ground and set up. They've got shame, obviously it's them, but um, you know we're half empty. Well, three quarters empty to be honest. If it weren't for Wednesday fans, I don't think there'd be anybody there. <laughs> but it, it's an unbelievable stadium, you know what they've built. But Camp Nou. Unbelievable, I've been there before. So, you know, for the size of it, probably Camp New Wembley when we played there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably up there for the best grounds I've been to. What about you, Ash? Difficult one. It's either PSG away or Bernabeu for atmosphere. PSG were quite intimidating. Um, because we're a bit of trouble. But Bernabeu, when I watched Spain play Italy, it, it, it was weird. I've never known an atmosphere. It's hard to describe, just sort of sat at top tier at Bernabeu and then just sort of hearing 80 odd thousand Spanish fans sort of roll back in the team. It were it, it, it were one of them. I'm glad I did it because I'll probably never get to do it again. So I need to see it was Bernabeu. It's just one of those where you just think, God, it's any of the Spanish, any of the, like some of the European clubs, I just want to go tick off because I've done loads of clubs in in England. 
Yeah. Well, the clubs. Yeah. They are better abroad. Something I mean, different. when I went to PSG, I mean, that were quite intimidating, but it was intimidating in a good way. So I sat there having it, like, all fans sort of shouting abuse. So I'm like, yeah, you didn't have a clue what they were going on about, fair enough. But it was quite an hostile atmosphere. It reminded me of, like, Senabacha and Galatasaray, mm. that type of atmosphere. Well, this is the thing. I feel like at the minute, when it comes to sort of the English game, you are seeing more fans sneaking flares into games. But when you go abroad, there's there's just, there's flares all over, there's bangers all over, and that's sort of part of their atmosphere and that's part of their culture. That it's always banned in England. I mean, I went to Venezia this season when they played Sampdoria, and I was watching a game with a pint in my hand. I could only dream of doing that in Ramelino or something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can sort of understand why it's it's not allowed because of the trouble what it, it, it does cause. But at the same time, it takes away a lot of the enjoyment. You, you'll see quite a lot of the time, especially if Sheffield United is having the shit first half, by 35 minutes past that, I'll be queuing up for a pint and not bothered about that 10 minutes of football. But... It it's a shame that you can't watch the game and have a drink at the same time. But in non-league football, I mean, we, 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 we national national league North downwards, you can yeah. But another thing I want to touch on there, you know, when we're all watching England in the World Cup or Euros, and we're all in a bar, we're all stuck with beers. When we score, where does the beer go? <laughs> Would that happen? Would that happen in the cup at Bramall Lane, Ben? If Probably score, exactly, and some people are not going to be happy with that as well. So, that, but then again, I, I, I'm all for it. Just saying, you know, I, I don't mind. <laughs> How Imagine many games? Mansfield away end. Honestly, that'd be good. There'd be no one there in the Mansfield end. <laughs> there we go. There'll be some. There'll be some on September third when we come to your place. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, it's on September. Well. It won't be because it's behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Um, I think a lot of time, depending on certain countries, obviously. But when you look at likes of you know Germany, Spain, majority of fans just sitting with each other. They, you know yeah. they don't care, and I go and watch um, Orlando City quite a lot, and that's exactly the same. You know they've got flares. I mean, in America, majority of games, that is their their thing, you know. They have flares on go up front at, at great games and stuff, and you just sit with a seat, with a pint, you know, and they actually have cup holders in seats for you and stuff. But at Orlando's ground, obviously, it's a new ground, but that kind of things that they do, but I just they all sit together. So it's just in England, you know, you couldn't imagine Wednesday United fans sat together and, just mingling in with each other and <laughs> and uh, drinking a pint, would you? No, no, not, not at that extreme level, obviously. But uh, I mean, we had a guy on last year who says he prefers watching non-league football just because he can watch it with the opposition. He said it's really nice, really nice atmosphere, and you can do that. Yeah, which yeah. I can agree with. But you can have a laugh. Yeah. I think you can have a laugh yeah. with players as well. I mean, um, we. We'll, me and a couple of, there's a couple of lads that play for, for Chef City and um, one of coaches. We, when we were at Fretchville, we actually went to watch 
Tromfield Town against, I think it were Hall Road Rangers or something. And we just turned up to watch a game because our game had been cancelled on a Tuesday night. And and honestly, all second half, we literally abused this left back by <laughs> just giving him some right hammer, telling him we were rubbish and stuff like that. And and then they were 2 0 down. And I think with 10 minutes to go, they scored two, like really late on. And then he crossed ball in for winner in like 93rd minute, you know, and he come and celebrated with us and he nicked one at lads' pints and he drunk one at pints <laughs> and, you know, then he caught to us after the game and they were having a laugh and we were like, we don't even support them, we just turned up for laugh, we're just, that's just how we are, you know, we, we like to have a laugh and, and he joined in, so, and, and he were like, I love it and that's beauty in non-league football, you know, you can turn up and it's just fun and <laughs> people don't care because they're not earning thousands and thousands a week so you can do funny things like that you know where you go and nick somebody's pint and <laughs> and drink it and stuff like that but you wouldn't see it in Prem would you? It's the characters though I think you know that, that you've got in non-league you can go like some you know there's some mates of mine that go they play non-league you know some play for Rosington some play for for Arnfop and that and you can just go and have a chat with them go and you know take piss out of them it's funny because that's that's all you you, you couldn't get out of the Premier League because they're just too they're too worried about the spot, or they're too worried about you know what they're what they're going to be in the limelight, or, the, or in, in the media and stuff like that. I just think you can go down, like you said, go down to Dronfield, and we, me, me and Jake, we've been there. Um, yes, yeah, nice ground, but you know when you when you've gone there, you know you you can talk to the you can talk to the fans, you can talk about you know ask them about the, the club and everything else. You just don't get like you say in the Premier League or and even some of the clubs in the Championship and that. There's just there's something a bit different yeah. in the league there. I think just brings everyone together. Even this season, uh, one at games we played against the team, and this kid he, he had a bit of a stink to be honest. And we obviously we were having a laugh with him and throwing <laughs> some stuff at him. And then in second half, when they come out, they had um, a really small right back, left back come to right back, and he come over and and obviously I just went, how far away is he? Like you know, obviously figure. And straight away, centre half just looked over, laughed, and went, "Get your centre left back because you're going to get hammered for 45 minutes." And they just moved into left back, and he just looked over and he went, "I couldn't do that to him." So even just little things like that, you know, you couldn't do it at, at them levels. So it is just nice, and you know, it's it's, it's just good. It's brilliant non-league. It's best best football in England, I think. I can remember a couple of a um, couple of years back, I was at Workshop Town. And I can't remember who they was playing, but we were stood behind the goal, uh, stood behind the goal, and the goalkeeper asking us all these football results, saying, "Oh, our so and so gone on because I've got him on this bet," and oh, and then he's got that this team's losing, and then next minute he's just stopped to make a save, and then as soon as football's back over, he's asking, asking his bets again, who's going on, and obviously you can't gamble. You're not supposed to gamble at the top level, but again, it's it's some you don't get the interaction at at the top top level than what you do at the bottom level and to be fair you can be really close like you said you can be that close to the pitch that the players can sort of hear what you're saying and join in with the banter and stuff at the times and I think that that's what makes it yeah absolutely it's brilliant me me, me you had that once though Joe didn't we at Gould remember when Euros were on that's why I was smirking when uh, when Ben was talking then because it just reminded me of that we were, we were at uh, we were at Gould they were playing Belper and their centre half, who ironically played up front against Chase Town and scored the winner to take Belper into into Northern Prem. 
and he you know we, he had Spain. He had I think was it Spain to had Spain, yeah. And we he came we came round to to tunnel uh, to dugout and he went he went oh I said Spain Spain's lost. He was like yeah you recorded so was, I I fucking knew that they would lose and all this. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it was one of it's one of those where you just go uh oh, you, you you wouldn't get you wouldn't be able to talk to you know some of the players like that but when you do it's just it's just brilliant banter and that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he had an acker on, and he said, "Let he said he said let me know if 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 any of them score." And oh, the second half, someone scored, yeah. and I shouted, him, "They've scored! <laughs> Spain are winning! They've scored!" <laughs> I don't know if he could hear me, but like, yeah, no, he weren't loud enough. That why? <laughs> <laughs> I think he had balls. Who want to get put off? <laughs> what about what about the worst ground? Then is there any ground you've gone to? Like, I don't think I'd want to visit them again. Chesterfield, Saltergate, that was bad. That that was just a ball of stuff falling down. That thing. That's dangerous, mate. Rotherham, their old ground as well. That was the same. That was just a fall. That that was falling down. <laughs> He'll love that if he's watching. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. In the, in the new stadium's nice, obviously, but the old one. You know why they moved. <laughs> but to be yeah. fair, that, that's another one that, you know, if, if Boothy hadn't been so thingy with what he were doing, they could have turned that into a nice ground. You only have to look at that stand that they were building, you know, if that had carried on, they'd have turned that into into being a decent little stadium. But obviously, greed turned into what it did. And now, now they've got a nice new little stadium, haven't they? It literally could have turned Millmore into Thrillmore. <laughs> <laughs> it is a shame that nobody has actually took that ground on and tried to keep it, or even Rotherham to try and keep it for their under-21s to play on, because it has potential. There's we're, space we're, better build as well, like you said. To be fair, we, we have spoken. Uh, my assistant, he knows one of his sons, and uh, he's spoken to him, but I, I believe it's uh, it's covered in Japanese knotweed um, is one of the things. But I think I'm not sure if I'm about selling it off um, as officers, but it, it takes so much, you know, insurances and everything that they have to have. And then obviously all dressing rooms and everything have been vandalised now. And I think it's just it's just gone to ruin. So but like I say, it is a shame that somebody couldn't, couldn't have took it on. So I know they were. Um, letting Sunday League junior teams play there about five or six years ago, something like that, and and then it just stopped. So I can imagine it would fit insurance. They didn't want to keep paying insurances. Yeah, it is. It is such a shame. But then, like you said, we, we've mentioned um, Don Valley and stuff like that, and it's just it, the reoccurring thing. We get the modern stuff, and then the old stuff does. Becomes offices, buildings, colleges, you name it. Houses. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I remember being, I had a, when I used to sprint for, for Donny many, many years ago, um, I, I raced in Don Valley and we were talking probably 2011, 2012. And the place was already falling to bits anyway. I mean, the track was nice, but like you just think, you look at that place and you think, this could really have, this could have been potential for something. It could have been for football. I know Rotherham played there for a few years, but they could, this could have been a potential for someone, a football club, whatever. It could have been rugby or anything like that to go and make this their own club, uh, the main, their own ground. And 
it just never seemed to be the case. And it's the same with Rotherham. You know, Millwall could have been something. I would say with Rovers, with Bellevue. I know Bellevue was always falling apart and they needed to move to a new stadium. But it would have cost them too much to, to renovate. It might have been the same for Rotherham. It would have cost them too much to, to try and rebuild Millmore, try and do it on a shoestring. I don't think it would have ever happened. But I think, yeah, with these modern grounds now, don't you think as well that maybe sometimes they are losing that bit of atmosphere given that they are these like bowl, new style stadiums? Some of them are shit, to be honest with you. It's like Man City, prime example, atmosphere, non-existent. I mean, to be fair, West Ham, they are trying hard, they're trying to smarten up and get a better atmosphere, but they're fucking crap, no ones, to be honest with you. You want that old one with sort of intimidating atmosphere and that sort of coming on to you. Uh, that's why that's why so many fans enjoy coming to like to Hillsborough. I mean, I know people take piss out of it and say it's a rush bucket and stuff like that, but it is it is just a genuine old fashioned ground and that's why people enjoy coming to it because it is, you know, it's big and it's it's just an old ground and you don't get atmospheres like it, you know, mm. in these new grounds that are all like cornered in and it just I don't think there's there's that good atmosphere in in these new grounds at all because it just it's just stays in there. I think. Yeah, you hit nail on the head. You know, Hillsborough, Bramall Lane, Ellen Road, and even then, like you look at some of the team, like you know, someone like Valley Parade with Bradford, proper old school ground. It's 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 more of where the settings are now because they built so far away from the towns and the city centres. You know, yeah, they lose that kind of council house. Terrace houses, you know, where it you was know, same with An- when when Anfield was before they built all the extension out, it was very tiny. Right, it loses, you know, the the, the atmosphere is very intense. I think now when you like you say your Hillsboroughs, Ellen Road, Bramall Lane, they'll always keep that atmosphere together, and it's it's just something special when you go to those very where well, you call it old school grounds because it's something different. Well, something different for Darlington, weren't it? Bankrupted them. <laughs> When you think that, yeah, no, he, I don't know. I mean, like Leicester, for example, yeah, you it, it can sort of have a good atmosphere and that, but now old school the better in my eyes anyway. I do agree with that one. When when I look at sort of like the the Brentford's new ground and York City's new ground, yeah, um, just the multicolored seats, for example, I'm like. It it doesn't it doesn't fit with it. I can understand more sort of York York City why they have to do it because of ground share with the rugby, but why has Brentford got all these multicolored seats? Just get them red, you know that that's the traditional colours of the club, and just make it somewhere different. Not not just go with the old well the modern stuff. Sorry, but again with York City, Booth and Crescent. Was a great ground to go to. You were you was compact. You know you could stand up and watch the game. And then now they've got a, a ground that's miles outside the city centre. A lot more difficult to get to. For what? No. Just because, just because, just because they didn't want to maintain Booth and Crescent, and they wanted to sell it off for flats or whatever it's going to be now. But yeah. again, though, I, mean, I think like Rotherham, like with Millwall, it would have cost a fortune. Boom Crescent was was literally falling to bits, unfortunately. But again, you know, it's it's, it's the location, isn't it? It's along, it's three miles outside the city centre. 
But this is a thing as well. Go on, Daniel. I let you. I let you. I, I was just going to say it, it does make a difference, even if it is only three miles. It does make a massive difference because, I mean, that's that's one of the things that they struggle with, like at Hillsborough for arguments. It, there's no parking, Bramall Lane. There's no parking. It's just, just little things like that. And if you have to go three miles out of town to get to a ground, and if there's no parking, then it just it just makes people think, well, I'm not really going to go. I mean, we're quite fortunate that both of our clubs you can get to it on on tram and buses. But, you know, going to York, you, you can't really get on their ground on a tram, can you? So yeah. it, it does make a massive difference. The, the thing is with York as well is I, I sort of compare York to the she, two Sheffield clubs. So if you're coming out of the train station, you've got Bramall Lane, what's walking distance, and that's what their old ground is now. Whereas if you're coming out of the train station and you want to go to Hillsborough, you're going to have to get another sort of mode of transport and that's what you have to do with York so it's sort of like they have something in the city centre that's where all the, the pubs are that's where the atmosphere is going to build upon the game now now it's built next to a city world and other sort of facilities in that area the atmosphere is surely not going to be as good in and around the ground <laughs> than what it was at Booth and Crescent it's everything about it as well I mean you know, when I went to York's new ground and we met Gary who came on the on the uh, podcast not so long ago? It was this was our bar where we used to drink. This is where we used to walk down. It's everything as well. It's all those little things that come on, on a match day that, that disappear as well. That bar loses business. No one walks down there anymore. You know, it's, it's just derelict. Right by Stanwick, Berlin, weren't it? Yeah, when far away, they were absolutely fuming, weren't it, fans? Because they didn't want to move. It weren't like the ground would fall into bits. It, it oh. were just they just saw pound signs, thinking we'll move to a sixty thousand seater and we'll fill it, and that, it ain't gonna happen. So it makes yeah. it hard. So going back to sort of Sheffield City, then, like like we sort of mentioning where there's some owners where they sort of they, they make make mistakes with sort of the money wise. What do you have any sort of foundation in place? Like, well, we, we need to earn this much before we can move on and progress with this one. Have you have you got like a sort of clear blueprint, shall we say? Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say too much. Very much. Yeah, we have. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can't really say on there. So while it's recording. When I got no ready. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I think even sort of like as daft as it sounds, just little things like say for argument's sake, you know, when money does start coming in, um, you know, players getting paid. We know that there's teams going into this season that were league that we're going into. There's teams getting paid. There were teams getting paid in our league last season. I mean, one of managers were earning forty grand at County Senior Second Division. Earning forty grand a year to manage at that level is ridiculous. So that's another thing to like beat them to promotion. That's another, you know, gives you another good sense of thing. But just like I've always said to Ashes, what you know, what we do is we wouldn't be like other clubs that'll say, "Oh, you get so much, you get so much." It'd just be a level playing field throughout throughout the club, and then you know you get that sense of you're keeping it above float. 
players are, are you're all playing as one, you know, because I know a lot of players that are like, oh yeah, I can't be asked because he's earning more than me and I'm putting in better performances and stuff like that. Whereas if you get them all on a level playing field, then there's no anybody can say it's it's down to you on pitch to perform. So I think for for money wise, that's something that I've said to Ash. You know, that'd be from my point of view. That's what I'd put in place is that everybody'd be like sort of in same little bit of money because you don't get paid a lot of money at these levels but it's you know most of the time it's just probably your fuel that's training and and your matches you know because I think it's 40 miles that you can go travel within it's a 40 mile radius so you don't you don't earn much for players but when you do I think that's something that obviously I've said to Ash is we've always got to make sure we're planning ahead and know where we're at money-wise because you know, what What we're trying to do is it can quite easily go brilliant and happen or it could quite easily just go and fall flat on its face. So it's that's football, isn't it, I'm afraid. And you've just got to be well prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good chance to take, I think. I think that's, I think certainly for, certainly in these feeder leagues, you, look, you only have to look at someone like Wakefield who have thrown tonnes of money at a club um, they've got to, you know, Northern Counties as they do, as they have done. Um, and certainly people have expect them to be right up there, you know, fighting for promotion. They might do, you never know. We, we, we'll never know until they kick a ball in anger. But certainly with money that's coming down now and you see, like you see owners that are prepared to chuck a lot of money and lose lose a lot as well. Is that sort of, are we, maybe, maybe in the future we might see more teams do that and maybe see more teams maybe going out of business sooner than rather later? It depends on the approach, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like this fan-owned, port fan-owned, private-owned thing, whatever this game's called. Yeah, it's a good idea, don't get me wrong, because obviously there's that guaranteed revenue coming through the door. But obviously, referring back to my comment earlier on about European Super League, when you think about it at the top of football and pyramid, You've got your Man City, your Liverpool, your Chelsea, whoever, what they own by foreigners, right? And obviously, in my opinion, really, the fans are sort of pushed out and they're not allowed to sell like all the latest strips and so on. And it's like you either put up and shut up, basically. That's how it comes across to me. And obviously, with this, you know, that fan scheme, what they do with that, paying £15 for a membership and having like a sharing club. I agree with it, and I think if I'm honest with you, more football clubs should, should go down that route. They football should. for working man, not for businessman. I see it as anyway. Completely agree. I think Wakefield as well. I think they're they're probably going to be like not a one in a million club, but they're going to be one in whatever odds because. It's a good mic. It's a good mic. That's what he's got. <laughs> well, subtitles underneath. That's the Ragnall episode. This isn't it when he's messing about with technology. <laughs> <laughs> You could just cut out there, Dan. I don't know if you can hear us, mate, but we, we couldn't hear what you said. 
think you can hear us. <sighs> Keep this for outtakes, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That can be our job now. You're into the editing part of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Did it? I, mean, I, th- I think he's, he, yeah, I think he realizes now. Yeah. His oh. AirPods must have died. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have enough charging. That's what it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Put this on your best bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can hear us at all. Just message me now. Yeah, off. I don't know what happened there. It just went clean off. Hope <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. He's back. It was quite. It was quite funny just seeing you just like keep on talking and there's just like nothing coming out. <laughs> so what I've got for the titles is Sheffield United are the best team. Wednesday. Get it, get it sorted. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you, you touched on the Wakefield there, Dan, before it unfortunately turned into Norman Collier. Um, <laughs> Doing best my <laughs> mind. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would just say, like, obviously, I think there's sort of like a one in a million club that, you know, they're a city without a professional football team. And as, as I said to Ash when it first started, it, it's always going to be a hard selling point. And that's one of the reasons why I said to him, like, you know, the YouTube teams, that's sort of how we should go, you know, try and push like a YouTube channel and stuff like that, like your hashtags and all them, because there's there's room for it because there's nobody up north that does it. It's all teams in South. But with the size of the teams in Sheffield, United Wednesday, obviously Sheffield FC works up, we're never going to get the fan base that they are but Wakefield, they've got their selling point, the fact that there's no, you know, no club there. And they've got the millionaire owners and they can push money in like they have. We know they've spent a lot of money. We know, you know, quite a, a quite a big, big amount. And it can same again, it can quite easily go boom for them. And I believe, you know, watch them fly now because they're willing to just chuck money at it like nobody's business. But it can also go boom as quick as out if they put money out of it well you mentioned there because it's quite interesting that you know where you talk about Sheffield and geographic because there's so many clubs around there Wakefield there's only really it's well it's your rugby league teams your Wakefield Trinity and your Featherstone Rovers your, your Castleford Tigers really that dominates that part of the world so do you think that they've maybe cashed in and gone look we've we've got we've got a really good niche market here let's let's have a football club and let's try and drive the city forward that we can get a football club up up in the pyramids. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think they t- people from Wakefield. You know, they either support Leeds, Huddersfield, Wednesday or United. And if they keep growing and growing, then you know, there's only going to be like more kids growing up from Wakefield, going and watching and playing stuff. And that's kind of how it works, doesn't it? It's same as it did with Wednesday. Same as it did with United. People just keep growing up and. Same as it does now, you know, there's there's people who have supported Wednesday their whole life and then all of a sudden they don't go to games and their kids go with their uncle who's a blade and then it just changes hands. So, you know, if, if people are going down to watch the local teams, like so Sheffield FC, non-league, on weekends off or whatever, kids start growing up and supporting them, going and watching them more and 
that that'll happen for Wakefield. You know, I think they had they had over five hundred as an attendance this season, which for county senior football, you know, five hundred it's a bit like what Alan were doing when they were getting the, the thousands every week at NCL. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's unheard of, but it's happening. So it's you know, more people are clicking on to non league and then they they probably will fly now. Wakefield and good luck to them because if you don't have the ambition then it's never going to work is it yeah absolutely absolutely I mean certainly for you uh, certainly for you and Ash and speaking of non-league how would you kind of sum up non-league football as a whole and for someone who you know has probably like gone and watched United's your Wednesday's your, your football league for someone who's not actually gone to non-league and watched it for the first time what would you kind of what would you what would you be saying to them you know for someone who's just going who's just starting out it's interesting it's an interesting experiment really because obviously you get all these glory and those glory supporters oh i'm not gonna go and watch them i'm gonna watch premiership football and that but it's like it passed before chess city got created i've been to all the games that it works on around close from where i live and i thought look it's not actually that bad Friendly banter and that with fans, obviously listening to players argue, getting it bigger than that. I don't mind it. So don't judge before, obviously, you've been along to it. Get it up. I just think it's it's a it's an all round better experience. You know, you've you've got lads, blokes that have been out and worked all week, construction, office jobs. You know, whatever they, whatever they've done, they've had long days, and then they're still putting in a shift. You know, I've had many a times where I've been at work, and then you know you've you've had to go and play somewhere on a Tuesday night somewhere daft, and you know it's probably an hour or two, and then you're not getting home while like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and then you're back up for work again the next day. So it's you know it's that's that's the way it is, and that's the beauty of non-league is you still get the the graft from people and, and all right, you're not probably going to see as pretty football as you do in professional game, but you're getting hardworking people that are just doing it because they genuinely love playing football. I think that's brilliantly summed up, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how often do you train? Is it once a week, twice? At minute, just once a week, obviously. We, we, still, we still get a lot done in that we'd, we'd probably train like two hours at minute um and then i mean we've been doing saturdays as well with pre-season no games we've been doing saturdays as well like two hour fitness sessions on a saturday um but yeah you, you can only expect them to really do one session a week at this level if you start doing more i think they just lose interest and it, it makes it harder anyway because you, you never really get them and people could be turning up to training and then they might not be there on Saturday anyway. So it's sometimes it's just, it's just pointless. So to have two sessions a week and then thing, but obviously you play, I think our, our night is Wednesday nights at minute. So if you, if we get a Wednesday night fixture, then we train Tuesday night and play Wednesday night anyway on Saturday. So. So being the manager then, um, what sort of wrong way do you do when you're coming up against an opposition? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't want it to sound 
sort of big-headed or thing like that because it's far from in that. But I've always looked at football as you should never, ever go in worrying about what opposition are going to do. I'm there to win a game and win a game only, and that's that's the only thing that I expect. We, we play how we want to play. It's different to how most teams play. But, you know, lads know exactly what they're doing, so... I expect him to play like that, and I don't. I don't really do any homework. I mean, as, as daft as it sounds, we videoed our games, and when we played Wakefield at home last year, my brother he sort of like analysed game and he watched it five times the night before to pick out where their strong points were from first game and everything. They turned up and they'd only got two players that actually played in previous games, so that that's the kind of thing that you're up against. Is you, you might do what you can do as much homework as you want, but then players might not even be there anyway. <laughs> well, I guess that's the beauty of this level. Absolutely. <laughs> so, who would you say, do you have any teams who you'd sort of class as like your sort of rivals? So we've got like the, you can say United Wednesday, you've got Chelsea and sort of Hallam Derby. Would you say there's any teams what you face and like, all oh, right, well, this could be a sort of our Derby day? No, not really. I just think we just we just get on with football. I mean, we had a team in our league last season that really disliked us and tried to make out that it was us we a problem, but it, it was just them we a problem is, you know, they dropped down a couple of leagues and they didn't like that we were new kids on block. And the thing is, is we, we us, obviously, we do a lot of media and YouTube and stuff like that. And what, what people don't see is, as a club, we're not only doing it as a club thing but we're also helping community by you know we've got uni students who do media team you know and ash signs off their work which then goes towards their course projects and stuff and people don't see that people just think oh they're just here trying to make a song and dance and get billy big weeks and stuff but in actual fact if they look deeper it's you know we're what i set out to do and be something for community and and that's what we're trying to do and it got us a lot of, you know, a lot of hate last season and a lot of abuse from from other teams and fans and stuff. When you go into these like little mining towns, and <laughs> it's just something that they don't really see. So you know, we had one team trying to knock camera down because they were, you know they didn't really like it. So it were, it's it's just one of them. But yeah, we we don't really have any rivals. We just get on with football, and if they want to be our rivals, let them let them be. But to us, it's just. Uh, every game is just another game. We're here to play football, not not to dish out any you know fisticuffs. So we've got to beat these every week. It's just we've got to win. Simple as that. So you do your talking on the pitch and not off the pitch. Yeah, exactly. We try. We try to. It worked last season, so hopefully it continues. So, like you said, you sc- you scored sixty goals last season. Do you think you've got that striker now? What can win you the league this season? Have you have you recruited well? <sighs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I'll make sure I will. <laughs> I, honest, honest, we've got. I mean, as leading goal scorer last season, he got I think it was seventeen goals and eighteen assists. And then the other striker, he had five or six took off him, and I think he'd been on eighteen goals. Um, and then obviously the lad who scored the overhead kick. He, he scored six goals in two games. He should be back this season fully fit because he'd only come back end of season. 
And then we've just signed another lad who I had who's dual signing with us and he works in London in the week. Um, and he plays for Barking at step four. So, yeah, kind of think we've got <laughs> some firepower. And then, you know, we've got one lad who was captain of Shirebrook last season, club captain. We signed him midway through last season, who's signing for us as well. So, yeah, I think we've, we've got an abundance uh, and I've got a lot of headaches to make next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes that's 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 a good thing. Yeah, that's I mean, one of them, I think he had 13 goals, played up front most of the season, and he ended up right wing back at back end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up in <laughs> That just shows you as well how versatile some players are at this level. I mean, I, I, you can get it in up in the higher leagues, but you don't see it as often as a player playing. Striker then playing right wing back. Absolutely, I did it myself. I played every position on pitch. I were always known for filling in for somebody if need be. I were a centre half, and uh, you know, the amount of times I've played it net or left back, left wing up front, <laughs> you just do it because you just enjoy playing, don't you? So filling in yeah. for them things. Any any other questions from you guys? No, I think we're good. All right, you, Jake. No, I'm 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 back with that. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to touch on them. Just um, just on Fretchville quickly. I mean, you mentioned now that they 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 folded. I mean, what what was the story behind that one? I mean, I know they play. They have their own like sports club, don't they? Yeah. So what what basically happened is. Yeah. They'd, um, they'd sort of had a fallout with Fretchville um, community. They wanted to put floodlights in and everything, and the community was saying no, um, which obviously, you know, it's another thing. So what they did is they, they decided to move it down to Davis Sports. So they changed name to Fretchville Davis. They had um, a couple of horrific seasons, um, and then they were about to fault club. And they asked us to take it on. We took it on and we literally took over like night before first game of the season. And I think we brought in like 18 players, 20 players. So first four games, it were hard because, you know, we're, we're trying to get to grips with everything in Prem at County Senior, 20 new players and stuff like that, no training sessions. Um, and then it were just, it were just hard. So, and then we, we played at Stocksbridge Park Steels and, we beat them and then COVID it and they just obviously said, you know, you're not playing anymore. And then it got to back end of the season and they were sort of doing like the cup competition. They did it as like a cup competition. Um, and then sort of chairman just went, I'm pulling my money out and walking away because we weren't bothered about carrying on just because they were, Davies were demanding quite a bit of money. Um, they wanted, I think it was £60 for hour to train on pitch on little AstroTurf pitch they got no nets it were you know it was virtually down to nothing and stuff like that so it just made it so hard to do and that were it you know they just pulled plug and and that were it were gone which as I said to you you know I think it had been going 100 years or so so it makes it it's quite bad that you know we've lost a club like that that's been going for so long and it probably were caused by Fretchville um 
what governing mm. thing or whatever that caused it by having an argument with chairman because he won't put floodlights on. I mean, obviously, the club had ambitions to go higher up then. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you know anybody that's willing to put floodlights in and stuff like that, yeah. but you know, you need them regulations to be able to go to count uh, to NCL, yeah. obviously. And um, if that's where a lot of teams falter, you know, we look at Swinton's that have won league for God knows how many years in County Senior Prem, and they've just never been able to go up because they've no floodlights and it's held them back massively. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope they get that sorted because I think obviously was grind up was are in the loop that they are they are looking at sorting out the home ground in Swinton. Yeah, it's quite it'll look nice when it's done. We played there last season. Yeah. First team we're playing at Mexper still, but I mean it's like Mexper that same, you know, they've got somewhere that could be absolutely brilliant. But again, it's cricket and you know, if there's any cricket fans, I do apologise, but they are ruining the game. You know, we're stopping people putting floodlights on and stuff like that, it makes it hard. It does, unfortunately. It, it's same up at Hallam. That's why you can't go around the other side of the pitch because that's where the cricket pitch is. Yeah. And that sort of, again, I know they're sharing, but that, that at some point will stop Hallam from being able to extend. And so, I mean, they can only go sort of three ways of the pitch. If they get to the higher levels and they do extend, it's going to have to stop at some point unless... One of them say, "Well, we're going to move, or are you going to move?" I think it's like all this ground in world into Sandgate. So, yeah. I mean, you imagine they they're risen out to top divisions, and they needed to to sort it out, and then they couldn't get promoted because of cricket. Are they really going to move from world's oldest ground to somewhere new just because of cricket? It's it's wrong in it, really. That would be a crime. Absolutely. Be a citizen's arrest for that cricket chairman if it got to that. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. But, but uh, yeah. yeah, a terrible saying with Fretchville. I mean, I've not been to the ground. I understand. I think it's Burley uh, Sunday League play on there. Yeah, now, I think I think. Do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it's going to stand behind the goal, so I look forward to seeing it. But uh, if I'm right, I think I have been. I think it must have been years ago. I'm sure they played Caribbean sport. I was playing there. At, I'm probably talking about 10 years ago when I went now. I cycled up there from Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, from what I can remember, it was it, it is a decent setup. But again, like you said, if you're not going to be able to progress just because you aren't going to get floodlights, it, it's another it's another reason why you've got to make sure that even if you're wanting to push for promotion, that you've got everything in place behind the scenes because stuff like that can implement you and stop you from getting that promotion, even if you're doing well on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of them as well, when they're wanting to put um, floodlights on when they're in housing estates, they get stopped because of that, because floodlights being on after a certain time, they have to be turned off by like half nine because of people going to bed on housing estates and things like that, and I just think sometimes, like, really? Surely we all use curtains, it's 2022. <laughs> yeah. So, surely you won't be able to see a couple of floodlights going off, and let's be honest, it, they never shine bright anywhere <laughs> other than on pitch, do they? Yeah. No. Right, so, 
I'll, I'll wrap it up with a question what we sort of ask everyone. If you could sum up football in three words, that could be three-word uh, three sentence or three individual words, what would they be? Eat, sleep, sleep. <laughs> What about you, Ash? What they said. He said eat, sleep, repeat. I think it's just unless people don't people just oh it's just a game it it really isn't a game is it you know to some people it's 90 minutes especially in a day and age now like with people with like mental health problems and stuff it's it's 90 minutes away from mental health or any other problems underlying problems it's it's more than just a game and people who don't take interest in football don't realise what it means. But when when you do, it, it means everything, especially to a city like ours. You know, we, in, in Sheffield, we love football, don't we? We live for it. So that's, yeah, for me, it's just, it is everything to us. I don't think you can sum that up better, yeah. Completely agree with you there, mate. Right, so we'll, I think we should wrap it up now. I've got quite a lot in, and like I said, I'll, I'll be sure to make sure I, I'll come and watch Sheffield City this season. It's, it's yeah. not far from yes. so. Hopefully all three of us will be able to vlog it together. Yes. Yeah, good. Be good to have you down. <laughs> We're playing yeah. on Saturday. Are you playing this Saturday? Yeah. Give it to mine as well. Who, sorry? Give it to mine. Give it to more. Oh, uh, I, think, I think we're already booked up this Saturday, aren't we? But I think we'll have to come and see you in a league game, definitely. Definitely yeah. in a league game sometime. It's going to be a tough game for us this weekend as well because Kiverton are in Central Midlands, so yeah, it'll be a really good. tough game for us, but you don't progress without playing better teams. Absolutely not, but... But no, we'll definitely have to come and see you in a league game for certain certainty. Yeah, absolutely. And you're welcome down at training. Like Joe, come down, you know. If you ever want to come down, just let us know and you're more than welcome to come down. Yep. Right, thank you for that, guys. No problem. Brilliant, lads. I'm sure we'll see you this season. Absolutely. This has been the Fan of Fan podcast. We'll see you next time.